TheYeshiva.net. As you probably know, the Shvas Emes was the second Rebbe of the Ger Hasidic dynasty. The first one was the Chidushi Harim. Harim is Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Itchemeyer, they called him. Rabbi Yitzchak Meyer, Rabbi Itchemeyer of Ger. He was a Talmud of the Kotzke Rebbe. After the Kotzke Rebbe passed away in the 1850s, 1859, I think. So the Chidushi Harim became a Rebbe in Gur. Gur is a city in Poland. It's not far from Warsaw. That's why it's called Ger, or really Gur. In the Chidusha Harim, Rabbi Yitzchak Meir, Rabbi Yitzchak Meir Alter, was the first Ger Rebbe. He had many children, and they passed away during his lifetime. I think he had one daughter left. But he had an Enikal. An Enikal who uh, he raised because he was an orphan. His name was Rabbi Yehuda Leib, Rabbi Yehuda Aryeh Leib. And when the Chidush Arim passed away, he succeeded him as the second Gerer Rebbe. He passed away, Hei Shvat Tofresh Samach 1905. Then he was succeeded by his son, known as the Imre Emes, Rebbe Avram Mordechai Alter. He passed away in 1948. He survived the war, and then he was succeeded by his son, known as the Beis Yisrael, etc. So the second Gerer Rebbe is known as the Svas Emes. Vasemis, he wrote a commentary on Shas, beautiful commentary. He also wrote a commentary, Hasidic commentary on Chumash called Svasemis, which were basically his words of Torah he would say on Shabbos. Svasemis is learned by a lot, a lot of people, but I don't know, it's, it's very difficult to understand. It's very brief, very brief, very concise, very, very cryptic. Sometimes in a few lines, there's a whole world, but you have to have so much background and understanding of the concepts in order to be able to appreciate it, because it's deep, it's abstract, and it's very sensitive and subtle. Um, because in this year we learn chsidus, a lot of chsidus, chsidus chabad, which explains the concepts in a very profound way. So I think it allows many of us, when you look at the svasemis, to understand the concepts in a more clear way. Because he doesn't elaborate. So you have to have all the fundamentals before, and then you can appreciate what he's saying. So that's what we'll try to do. The first piece is Svasemes Tofresh Lamedalad, which means he said it, Vayetzi Tofresh Lamedalad, which would be 1874. Okay, take a look. It seems like one little innocent paragraph, but you'll see it's very daring. The Medrash Tanchuma. There's a statement in Medrash Tanchuma. Medrash Tanchuma is one of the Medrashim on the on Torah, including Parshas Vayetzi. So the beginning of Tanchuma, it says... You open up Medrash Tanchuma Parshas Vayetze. This is how it starts off. Let our Rebbe teach us. If somebody kills another person inadvertently, where does he go to exile to Kachshanu Rabbi Seinu? If somebody kills somebody else by mistake, inadvertently, he didn't do it willingly, Khalil didn't want the other person should die. But he was not cautious, you know, he was sloppy, he was negligent. It was a mistake. Like, for example, the famous example, you know, he's, he's, he's chopping wood from the tree, there's, a, there's people there, you know, and the axe, the axe falls down and Khalila hits somebody in the head, falls on somebody's head, the person dies. So he goes to exile, to where? 
So he says there were Ari Mikla, there were cities of refuge discussed later in Chumash and Parshas Masay. Parshas Vaischan, and there were cities of refuge, Ari Miklat, three on the Transjordan and three in Canaan, three on the eastern side of the Jordan, Oz Yavdul Moshe Shalashar Bevrayardin, and three on the other side, what's called on the western side of the Jordan, Eretz Canaan, which became Eretz Israel. Says the Medrash Tanchuma, Viyakov Avinu Golalacharan. Yaakov Avinu also went into exile. He left Eretz Yisrael, he went to Charon. He ran away for his soul. He was afraid that his brother, Esau, the wicked one, should not murder him. When Hashem saw Yaakov in such distress, he appeared to him in a dream and he encouraged him and he comforted him and he invigorated him and he inspired him in his journey to Charon. What is this Medrash implying? Do you hear the context of this Medrash? He starts off Parshas Vayetze, when somebody murders somebody by mistake, he goes into exile. And who went into exile? Yaakov Avinu went into exile. What is the Medrash saying? The Medrash is saying that Yaakov went into Gullus. Why? Because he killed somebody by mistake. When did Yaakov Avinu kill somebody? He never killed anybody. He read through the whole Parsha. We don't have any record of Yaakov Avinu killing somebody, not willingly, Khalila, and not inadvertently, Khalila. And here's a Medrash from the Chazal. You know why Yaakov ran away from Mesha and went to Kharn? He was going to a city of refuge. This is, of course, before Matan it's before the whole system of Ari Mikla. But the concept was there, Maisa of a similar bondum. This concept, when somebody kills somebody by mistake, he goes into exile, begins with Yaakov Avinu. Avram Avinu didn't go into exile. Yitzhak Avinu didn't go into exile. Yaakov went to Ezra, he went for many years, for many, many years. And he never saw his mother again, because his mother passed away, Rivka passed away before he came back. On the way back, Rivka passed away. <laughs> Is that maybe like the Kayin Gadol's death, when the person could leave Ari Miklat, who knows? But in any case, Yaakov Avinu was in exile for more than 20 years. Why? Apparently, he killed somebody. He was a Hurig Nefesh Bishgaga. This is, he runs away. And not only that, somebody was chasing him. Who was chasing him? Asaf. What does the Torah say? Why does somebody who kills somebody go into Ari Because the Goyal Hadam, a relative of the person who was killed, has the right to kill him unless he's in the Ari Miklat, unless he's in the city of refuge. Now, of course, if he killed them maliciously, if the murder was what we would call, you know, a first degree murder was premeditated and planned and he did it bemazed, then he's brought to Bezdin and sometimes they may even give him the death penalty for murder. Depends, of course, on the circumstances that Bezdin will give the ver- will, will have to decide. But if it was B'Shaigik, as long as he remains in the Ari Miklat, in the city of refuge, he's protected from the Goyal Hadam. Fascinatingly, the Medrash is saying is the same story with Yaakov. Yaakov is running away and somebody's chasing him. Or he's afraid that if he doesn't run away, the Goyal Hadam is going to get him. Who? Esav. We also know that Eliphaz chased him and tried to kill him. But in any case, he ends up by love on the Ari Miklat and he's speared. The big question is, the biggest question, Esav wanted to kill Yaakov. Not because he murdered Esav's brother, or Esav's child, or Esav's parents. What is going on? He took the brachas from Esav. The Medrash here is telling us something astonishing. On one hand, we say, was Yaakov in a right for taking the brachas, or wrong for taking the brachas? So our tradition, the way Chazal interpret the story, the way Vashi interprets the story, the story, Rivka was the one who initiated it. She felt that Yaakov needs to take the brachas. And Yitzchak himself said, Gam he should be blessed. 
And Yitzchak is not upset at Rivka, Yitzchak is not upset at Yaakov, even after he figures it out, at least it's not recorded. And Yitzchak sends off Yaakov with blessings, you will continue the legacy of Avram. And when he runs away, to, when he's on the way to Charon, he falls asleep, he goes to sleep and he has a gavaldic dream. Hashem is standing over him and says, I am the God of your father, I will be here for you, I will not abandon you. Yaakov wakes up, he says, In other words, the Hashgach of the Rebbeinu Shalom is here to come with him is here with him in his journey. But the Medrash Tanchome here introduces a whole new spin on the story. It's not so simple. Somebody died here. And Yaakov Avinu played a role in this. And he had to go into Galos. And as the Medrash says, when Hashem saw how distressed he was, he encouraged him because he encourages him. There's always hope. There's always a way to rectify. But it was not a simple story. This is what the Sfasemis is addressing. And to the Sant, huh? <laughs> the one thing that I the one big problem with Zoom is the feedback. <laughs> feedback is not very good. Okay, so let's see what he says. The Medrash Tanchuma ki brichas Yaakov hayekamay golos lamisha hoydig nefesh b'shaygik. Yaakov escaping Be'er Sheva going to Charan was basically a form of exile. I should just say. And it's already earlier in Zohar and other places, the Medrash says, was seen by, by many of the Chazal as a symbol for Golos. He's going into Golos. He leaves Eitzel, like the Jews went into Golos. And that's where he builds Klal Yisrael. But here we see it more specifically. He's going to Golos, and it's because somebody, what is the meaning of this? So the Svasema says, listen to these words. Wow. For Yaakov, it was considered a chet, a serious deficiency, a serious sin or flaw, because Esav was rejected through him. Yaakov Avinu ultimately had the ability and the responsibility to be Makar of Esav, to bring Esav close, to keep Esav close. Now, the Medrash itself calls Esav a Russia. We're not turning Esav into the quintessential tzaddik. Yaakov was a tzaddik. Ishtam Yoshevahalam. Esav, unfortunately, had great potential, but he squandered it. He became a Russia. Yet, says this Fasemes, Yaakov Avinu Kivayachal, and we say this with Edelkeit, it's said Bedakos, the Medrash Tanchuma sees Yaakov Kivayachal as a Hoyrig Nefesh. Who did he kill? Who did he kill? He killed Esav. He killed Esav. Not physically, but spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. How did he kill Esav? Instead of being Makan of Esav, he rejected Esav. He separated from Esav. He realized that with Esav there's no hope. We're biological brothers, but we're spiritual strangers. So therefore, that which has to go to Esau, the good things that Yitzchak wanted to give Esau, have to come to Yaakov. But he does it in a way that Esau is rejected by him. One second. Ask this Fasamas. We were told, the Jewish people were told in Parshas Mishpatim, stay away from lies. Distance yourself from falsehood. And apparently Esau was Sheker. So what do you want from Yaakov? Midvar Sheker Tichuk. We were told that. 
אבל ליעקב איש אמס, היה בכוחי לקרב הכל השם יסבורך. Because Yaakov is a real Ish Emes, he doesn't have to stay away from Sheker. He could be Mekadav the Sheker. He could be Mekadav everything to Hashem. He has the power. When do you have to be afraid of Sheker? When you have a little Sheker in you. Because Min You have an Halacha. When two things come together, and it's the same Min, so they trigger each other, they arouse each other. If I have a little Sheker in me, even a little bit, and I come to Sheker, you know what happens? I can get triggered, I can get aroused. Then you have to be afraid of Sheker. But if you're Kuloi Emes, you don't have to be afraid of anything. You can go everywhere. If I have a little bit of the Sheker inside of me, oh, I gotta stay away. You know, an addict doesn't go to a bar. The Gemara says, you tell a Nazar, right? Go around the vineyard. Don't get close to the vineyard. <laughs> don't start drinking four cups of wine. Rabbi Tversky, the psychiatrist, a big maven on addiction, I once heard, he says it's an Isser gummer for an addict, somebody in recovery, an alcoholic in recovery, to drink four cups of wine. You'll find the heter and you drink grape juice, as men as some poskim are matter. You can't get close to wine, not even l'shem shemayim. It's, it's Pesach, I want to drink wine, it's dangerous. For you it's pikuach nefesh, because you have a real problem with alcoholism. If I have a little lies in me, then... I have to create a border. I can't get close because it's going to trigger me and it can bring out the worst in me. But since Yaakov is an Ish Emes, he's full of Emes, so he doesn't have to be afraid. He can go into any place, just like Hashem doesn't have to be afraid because when you're fully confident, when you're fully wholesome, when you're fully pure, then when he would get close to Esav, what would he see? He would see the toiv in Esav, the emes in Esav, the nitzutz in Esav, the spark, the goodness that's trapped in Esav and extracted. What happened? Virak But Yaakov was very humble in his own eyes. And he felt, I don't have the capability, I don't have the potential. I have to reject Esav because I don't have the koyach. That's why it's called a murder inadvertently. He wasn't doing it because he wanted to reject. There was no element of hate here. But there was an element of not understanding who he is. What's called this misplaced humility. What the Baal Shem Tov once said, he spoke about this uh, right before Corona. I was in Los Angeles before Yud Shvat, and I gave a lecture there. So I spoke a lot about this. It's the part from the Baal Shem Tov. It says in Gemara, An vosnu soishol schariye ben afkilas, hechrive es beiseinu, sarfas hechaleinu, higle es baneinu. Rabbi Yochanan says, the anvasnusoi, the humility of Scharia ben Afskilis, who didn't allow them to kill, or Kamtze, who went to inform, who wanted to inform the Romans, the Gansamaisim, the Gittin, and Perik Anizakin. So he didn't allow them to kill the Mosse, he didn't allow them to offer the, the, the calf, the Egla, the, ca- the, 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 the calf, the calf, the Beis Hamikdash, because it had a mum. So it says, the humility of Scharia ben Afskilis caused the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. Because the Roman Emperor saw this as a rebellion and a betrayal and treason, and he came to attack. The whole story with Kamsa bar Kamsa. So the Baal Shem Tev Taijd, a half of a fella. Sometimes what it takes for Churban Beis Hamikdash is another humility. We're not only talking about the physical Beis Hamikdash, we're talking about the spiritual Beis Hamikdash. Spiritual Beis Hamikdash is the fact that Vashachanti Besoy Chum. Not b'soichay, b'soicham, b'soichalechad vechad, as the shalos says, the reishas chachmas says, the alshuk says. B'soicham. In every person the shechina dwells. What destroys my beis hamikdash? A form of dysfunctional humility. There is healthy humility, there is beautiful humility, there is divine humility. And that is real bittel. I'm open, I'm vulnerable, I'm open to infinity. 
I'm not stuck in my ego and my insecurity and my fear and my preconceived notions and my blind spots and my biases. That's the anova we all can use. Haish moish anov moish. But it's a different type of anova. And that is, I'm a shmata. I'm a doormat. I'm a rag. I'm a nothing. I'm a lo yutzlachnik. I'm a idiot. A shlamazol. A ferda. Behema. A sheretz. A chayera. A goylom shabagoylom. I was uh, two weeks ago, Mitzvah Shabbos, at a Malavamalka in the Catskills. So a Yid gets up, he's well known, he's a singer, a Blippish Meltzer, and he said this publicly to, I don't know, 600 people. So I guess I could repeat it, he said it to 600 people. And he said that when he was a kid in Cheder, there was uh, his teacher made, in the middle of the class, he made a Goylam Tish, which is a table for Goylams, for, for you know, morons. He said, and he, he had his chus to be placed there. Sometimes we tell ourselves it's that story. I'm a goylem, I'm unworthy, I'm a trauma case, I'm a nebach, I'm a victim, I'm a nobody. Says the Baal When you feel, my teira doesn't matter, my tefillah doesn't matter, my maizim teivim don't matter, I don't know how to be a father, I don't know how to be a husband, I don't know how to be a mensch, I don't know how to be a Jew. I'm just a victimized, lost case, a helpless case. And we don't necessarily say this consciously, we often say this subconsciously, I don't deserve anything. This destroys your base amikdash. Because you don't realize your amazing dignity that you can be a conduit for divine truth, for divine infinity. Kivayachal, in a Eidel Eifen, he says, Yaakov Avinu was so humble in his own eyes, he did not realize that he does not have to fear Esav. He can be Makad of Esav, he can uplift Esav, he can embrace Esav. Instead, he rejected Esav. This is called Ahirig Nefesh Bishkaga. By mistake, you killed Esav's soul. And Yaakov had to go into exile. Yaakov had to run away into exile. And this was a difficult journey for him. He had to work it through. And he was in distress, and Esau was coming to kill him. Which part of Esau was coming to kill him? Two parts. Esau's rishis was coming to kill Yaakov the tzaddik. But the subconscious of Esau, Esau's neshama, was crying out, why didn't you save me? This is the maimer we learned on Shabbos. And we also learned it once here on the yeshiva.net. In Torah, Er, Parshas told us, remember, Balatanya says, Esav had two parts. There's the makif of Esav, and there's the pnimi of Esav. The pnimi of Esav is, ain't shem shamayim shagar b'fiv. The makif of Esav, ketzad masrinas hamalach v'asatev. And the makif of Esav is very holy. Reshad Esav, beit for the Yitzchak, the head of Esav, is in the bosom of Yitzchak. What do we learn from this, Rabbi Isai? What do we learn from this? We learn from this that you have to be very, very careful because sometimes it looks like we're rejecting somebody and it's an act of righteousness because we're creating a border, we're protecting ourselves, we're protecting other people. But if you were given the kaychas and you were given the shlichas to be able to be a brother to this person, to be able to be a father to this person, to be able to be a mentor, a friend, then you might be engaging in unintentional spiritual murder. And even though you may be a tzaddik, you may be a good person, you're going to have to go to Gullus. And the reason is, not because we're trying to be vindictive, because something in the world is blemished and flawed, and you have to, we have to fix it, we have to be at Masakin. It also means that sometimes the worst thing we do to ourselves is we don't realize who we are. We don't realize our kaychas, like Yaakov Avinu. In the name of humility, he said, I can't get close to Sheker. It's too dangerous. And he did not realize that when you have the inner core, when you're strong in your inner core, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. We're only afraid when we are 
vulnerable to corruption because we are in a low space. But when you can connect, when you're in a lowly space, but when you can consolidate your core and you can truly be authentic and you could come from a place of spiritual resilience, not as a victim, but a shlucha yishaladam kamaisa, have a shlichus from the rebbeinu shalala, then your faith and your love and your wholesomeness remains unwavering. Because you're not a parasite, you're a giver. And that's the difference. If I come to Esav and I need Esav, then it's very dangerous. Because if I'm vulnerable and I'm bottled and I'm subservient and I'm insecure and I'm apologetic and I need his validation, when I need his validation, then it's dangerous because I'm getting validation from places that may be unhealthy. But when you're coming from a place of inner wholesomeness and you know who you are, you don't have to be afraid. Of course, this fits beautifully with what we learned, when was it, Monday and Tuesday? We learned the Sikha of the Rebbe, of the if you didn't learn it, you could learn it. It's on the yeshiva.net. Why Yaakov's children all turned out good and, and, and Avram and Yitzchak not. And the big chiddush over there was that Yaakov's avoider was a different avoider than Avram and Yitzchak. Yaakov had the ability and the koyach to deal with the ra, to confront it and to transform it. And when he rejects Esav, it's an element of hoidig, nefesh, bishgaga, kevayach. Let's go to the next piece. Doesn't the Svasema say that this is not for everybody? Because he says, we have an avoid of midvar shekaterchak. But Yaakov was an ish emes, he could be mekad of everything to Hashem. You're right. And indeed, you have to know. You have to know there's certain things I can't get close to. Like I told you, the nazir can't go to the vineyard and the addict can't go to the alcohol. There's certain places and situations where it's too toxic for me. I cannot get in. But you have to know that there's certain, because everything in Torah is a lesson, there's certain situations, you're dealing with your brother, dealing with your sister, you're dealing with your child, you're dealing with your friend, you're dealing with yourself, you're dealing with another Jew, so there's many, many situations where Torah says, this is not a moment of running away, this is the moment to get even closer, so you can embrace the person. Now you'll say, when yes, when not, for this we have a Shulchan Aruch, for this we have a Torah, that guides us to tell us some situations I could go into, some situations I can't go into. Sometimes it's not it's it's not so simple, you know. It's gray. It's not mamish black and white. It's not so obvious. It's not so simple. That's why it's so important. That you have a mentor, you have a a, a teacher, a rebbe, a mentor who understands the situation who wants you to be successful, who empathizes and understands the problem, not somebody who's you know living in their own world and. And you, and you sometimes seek guidance, but you want to get guidance from somebody who really puts themselves into the situation and appreciates the picture and has expertise in this area. Let's go to the next piece. The next piece is Tafresh Lamed Hay. Vaha'evan G'dayla, you see? Vaha'evan G'dayla G'chuli V'galulu. So in Parshas Vayetze, we have another amazing story. Of course, after the dream, Yaakov feels encouraged, and Vayisa Yaakov Raglov, and he goes to the east, and he comes to a place called Chara. What happens there? He sees that there is a well in the field, and three flocks of sheep are laying there besides the well, because that's the well from where they draw the water for the flocks. The problem for the flock. The problem is there's a stone over the mouth, the opening of the well, and the stone is very large. 
So what happens is, it says, All the shepherds and all the flock, the flocks are assembled there, and then, What do they do? They would roll the stone from the mouth of the well, water the sheep, and then they would put back the stone over the mouth of the well. That's what the Basik says. That when all the shepherds would come, the Galilu, they would roll the rock. It was very large, it was heavy, so it wasn't easy. Now Yaakov starts speaking to them, where you're from, why you're hanging out here, why you're sitting here with the sheep, there's still a long day, why don't you go take them to graze? And they explain to him that they can't, because they need to wait till everybody comes together. So together they can roll the stone over the mouth of the well, and then they could irrigate and, um, and hydrate, hydrate the sheep. As they're communicating, as they're conversing, Rachel comes with her father's flock. And the Torah says, when Yaakov sees Rachel, Vayigash Yaakov, Yaakov approaches the well, Vayogel es ha'evin me'al pi And he rolls the stone off the mouth of the well. And what happens? Vayashka soin lovan And he waters the sheep of Lovan, his mother's father. That's the story. So apparently there's this whole drama here with the rock. Yeah? Chazal tell us, and Rashi brings, that obviously Yaakov did it, it says Yaakov went, and he rolled the stone off himself. Rashi says from Medrash, to tell you how powerful he was, that he was extremely strong. Okay. Let's take a look in the Svasamas. In, in Parshas Vayetze, Perek Haftes, right? Pasig Gimel, it says, that all of the all of the Adonim, when all the flocks would be assembled, the Galalu seven they would roll the stone from the mouth of the well. When Yaakov rolls it, it says Vayogel. So when the Torah is talking about what they would usually do, the expression is Vigalalu. Like we say at Maidiv, or Galila, right? Your Galil the Sefer Means you roll. You roll it up. Right? Or he wraps up the light for the darkness, he wraps up the darkness for the light. So the Galilu is like Liglol, Galila. They roll over the rock, but they couldn't do it themselves. By, by Yaakov Avinu, the Lushan is Vayogel. Vayogel. Yeah. Now what would you think the Lushan was? Vigolal, right? It says Vigalalu as Evan. Later they say again. Right, you would expect that in pasuk uh, in pasuk yud it would say v'golol. It says vayogelas ha'evan, vayogelas ha'evan. K'mosh kasev b'svarim. It can't say v'golalu because it's singular, right? So v'golalas ha'evan, but the whole term changes vayogelas ha'evan. K'mosh kasev b'svarim says this v'asemus. It says in svarim. This is a word from the Shalah, the Shalah HaKadosh, Rabbeinu Yeshaya Horowitz. Al HaKoyvesh HaSyitzre, Shuhu Gadol Yosem Remishay Neshemei Allah. Chazal tell us in Perkeyavis and Perkei, Ezeo Gibber HaKoyvesh HaSyitzre. Who is powerful? Somebody who conquers his Yetzahara. So the Shalah says, Koyvesh is greater and deeper than somebody who disobeys the Yetzahara. Raku Koyvesh Eli is Kaf of Tachtov. There's somebody who doesn't listen to the Yetzahara. A big thing. Koyvesh is much deeper. What does Kaivish mean? You conquer the Yetzirah. You don't only defeat him 
and get rid of him and eliminate him, you conquer him. When you conquer a city, when you're Kavosh a city, what happens? That city is now under your domain. That city is now under your authority. When a king conquers another country, that country now comes under the rulership of the king. Kavosh it doesn't mean you don't listen to Yetzirah. It doesn't mean you eliminate him, you get rid of him, you don't obey him. That's also, that's also a good thing, don't take me wrong. But it's much deeper than that. He's Kaivish the Yetzirah, and also Kaivish actually, the word Kaivish means you bring something under you. For example, you have in Mishnayis, in uh, Mikvayis, just an example. Kaivish afilu chavile etzim, afilu chavile konim, right? Kaivish afilu chavile etzim. It talks about a mikveh, and you have bundles of reeds or wood. So Kaivish, you, you, you push it down so that the water goes up. Kaivish afilu chavile You push it down under you. Yichboish avay neseinu. So what's Kaivish Yitzray? Not that you got rid of the Yitzhara. No, the Yitzhara comes under you. The Yitzhara is now under your authority, under your domain, part of your life. Whenever a person wants to come to draw water from the wellsprings of life, there is always a rock that covers the well, and you have to move away, you have to roll away the rock. Because there are blockages. Within every single person, there's a be'er, mayim, chayim. You remember we learned the Maimir in Parshas told us, Vayachberu avde Yitzchak banochal. In Torah, Parshas told us, right? Vayachberu avde Yitzchak banochal. In every Jew, there's a be'er, mayim, chayim. It says in Svarim, Biyodcha afkid ruchi is Rosh Hatevis, be'er, biyodcha afkid ruchi. In your hands, I give my ruach. There's a be'er, there's a wellspring that flows with fresh, sparkling, uh, animating, pure, cold, refreshing water. That's the Be'er Mayim Chayim. And we want to drink from it. But there's a rock, and it's an Evan G'dayla, it's a big rock, that's the Yetzirah. The toxicity, the trauma, the insecurity, the temptations, the distractions, the addictions, the depressions, you know, all the cravings I have, the anger, the lack of impulse control, the mood swings, the personality disorders, whatever it is. But that's the rock that sits on my well and doesn't give me access. And I have to have the courage to push it away so that the water should be able to emerge and I should be able to drink the water. And if not, I don't have access to my water. The problem is, even when you roll away the rock, it goes back. Right? It says they would roll away the rock, but then then they would bring it back. Like the Medrash Rabbah says, the Medrash Rabbah says, in Parsha Ayin, Parsha's Vayetze, that when Yaakov sees there's a well, it refers, it's a marshal for the Beis HaKnesses. It's a shul, where you get water from. Ein Mayim you get water from there. Yeah. Shloish Edrit, sign three flocks of sheep, represents the three people who are called up to the Torah on Monday and Thursday and Shabbos Mincha. Kimina Be'er, Shemishama Yishemim Esat Torah. Ha'evin G'dayla is the Yetzirah. The Medrash Rabbah says, Parsha Ayin Ches. V'nes V'shama Kol Adonim Zehat Sibur. Galalu Esa'evin is... They want to hear the Titus, they get rid of the Yitzhara. The moment they leave, the Yitzhara goes back. So I get rid, I, I remove a blockage, I work on myself, but the Yitzhara comes back. By Yaakov, it says he didn't just roll away the stone. It says, the word Vayogel means Gilu. He revealed the Evan. He revealed the heaven. What's Vayagalus heaven? Call up Nimius Yeshba Evan Atzma. Yaakov revealed the heaven. Not he moved away the heaven. That's the difference of 
Koivishes Yitzray versus not listening to Yitzhahara. Not listening to Yitzhahara is, I throw away the rat, get out of my life. That's one level, beautiful. That's Vagalaluasa Evan. You roll away the stone and it becomes a rolling stone. Vayagalus Evan means he revealed the Evan. Different. You know how he rolled away the stone? By revealing the pnimius of the Evan. But it's a Yitzhahara. Who are Yitzhahara? Sheyinepach Latoiv. Ubidir Shahakal Toiv Kemashiel Asad Hakal Masukam. The ability of Yaakov was to show that the pnimius of the Evan is really Toiv. The pnimius of the Yitzhahara is really Toiv. Not just you have to fight it and get rid of it and throw it out of your life. Sometimes you need to do that. You can't deal with it at all. But Ezel Gibber says Yaakov was a Gibber. He rolls away the stone. They say, wow, he's a powerful guy. So we always learned in Yeshiva, what does it mean? It means Yaakov was a muscle man. He was robust. He was powerful. He was mighty. And uh, he comes. Nobody can get to seven. Yaakov you know, takes his hand. And as Rashi says, it was like removing the cork. <laughs> removing the cork from the wine bottle. Okay, I slept. Wow. It's deeper than that. Of course, Yaakov was physically strong. Yaakov was also spiritually strong. Most people, what do they do with the Evan, with the Sahara? They have to push it away. Ezel Giber. Yaakov was a Giber. You don't have to push it away. You have to redefine it. You have to be at Koivish. You have to make it your partner, your accessory. Now the Yitzhah is under you, it's part of you. That's what Gvur is. That was Yaakov's Gvur. Not Vigalalu Asavan, Vayagal Asavan. He was Megala the Pnimis of the Yitzhah. What does this mean? It means that in every temptation, and in all fear, and in all security, and in every taiva, and in all of the anxiety that you're having from your Yitzhah, there is really an opportunity for tremendous self-awareness and growth. The pnimius of it is not ra, the pnimius of it is kuloi toiv. Just I have to put on the lenses of Yaakov Avinu. I have to be able to redefine reality instead of seeing it as an obstacle or even as a challenge, see it as an opportunity. It's all toiv. It's here to make you become the person you're supposed to become and make you much closer to God. Now, I know it's easier said than done, but I hope you can breathe this in and internalize it because it's a life changer. Now, let's connect the two Svasemesis. Yaakov Avinu rejects Esau. He has to go to Golos. And it's here that Yaakov has to now work in Charon, with Charon. And the first step is Vayagolos Evan. Don't run away from the Evan and don't chase away the Evan. You're going to have to reveal the pnimius of the heaven. We go back to Lakuti Sichis Chelik Yud Vayetze. You remember the difference of Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov? Yaakov mitase Shlema. Why? Not because he didn't have challenging children. Not because all the children were perfect, unlike Esav and Yishmal. Sigaven Adin and Yaakov. The way Yaakov looks at a child is mitase Shlema. Other people look at Yosef and say, yeah, no, 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 they're not this kid. Yaakov looks at Yosef and says, Yosef is there to change the world. He doesn't fit into the rest of the Shvatim, of course not. He's supposed to change the world. They're supposed to be shepherds and be Ovedus Hashem with tzitkis and with wholesomeness. Ya- Yosef, he has a different shlichus in the world. Of course he has different challenges. That's mitos Yishlema. He looked at it differently. It's a different element. It's a different perspective. That's why by the shepherds it says v'galulu. They roll away the stone. By Yaakov, the Lashon changes. Not Vigalal, Vayogel. He's Megala, the Evan itself. So now the stone is not a contradiction. Now the stone itself becomes part of the well. The stone itself becomes a source of water. What happens in the Midbar? Al Hasela Hach, 
Moshe Rabbeinu reveals that the Sela itself is a source of water. Every Shabbos we prepare for the next week. You go out from Be'er Shava into Chara. And apparently what he means is Be'er Shava is the well of seven. So that's the Yoim Ashvi, the Be'er Mayim Chayim. But Shabbos is a preparation for the whole week. You should be able to have a meaningful week. That's what Shabbos is. So from Be'er Sheva, from Shabbos, you gotta go into Chara, and that's why we smell some of it, so Shabbos. And that's the meaning of the Chazal in Pirkei of his Perik Hey, that the, one of the things that was created out of Shabbos, Be'er Nashmashis, right before Shabbos was what? Piha Be'er. The opening of the well. The Jewish people, I was making the connection to Be'er Shalmiriam just for my own uh, associations, and then I see he says it. The piha be'er, the opening of the well that accompanied the Jewish people in the Midbar for 40 years, be'er shal miriam, Moshe Rabbeinu struck the rock and parshas b'shalach and water came and that stone, was it rolled with them wherever they went for the 40 years and it gave them water because in the Midbar there's no water. It's a place of tzimoyin ha'she'em b'mayim as Moshe would say in Ekev. So he says, when was that created? Right before Shabbos. Because be, Shabbos, the be'er opens up. But after Shabbos, you got to go Be'er Sheva, the Be'er of seven. It's the seventh day, it's the Be'er of the seventh day. But the Katachlis is to bring it into Charon. Charon is the place of Charon, anger. Charon Avshalmakim. In other words, the place of blockages, because anger is a blockage. Anger is a second, secondary emotion, it's not a primary emotion. I would say in 90% of cases, anger is a secondary emotion. We can ask the therapists who are here. It's a sec, it's meaning it's covering up a deeper emotion. Pain, loneliness, uh, deep despair. So we get angry to get to, to cover it up. So Choron is a blockage. It's, it's the rock. It's the Evan. And from Shabbos, you have the Piha Be'er, the opening of the Be'er. What's the opening of the Be'er? The ability to remove the Evan. So he says, The Chiddush of Shabbos is Be'er Sheva, that the Pnimius, the Chiyus, the, the inner Chayus of a person could come out. It can be drawn from the, from your core to all the, to all directions of your life without blockages. That's why the Piha Be'er, the opening of the Be'er is created out of Shabbos and Abraham. Doesn't just say the Be'er, the Piha Be'er, the mouth of the Be'er, the ability to be able to have access to it. That's what Shabbos represents in life. Balatanya says in the Kudatayra that every day we have Shabbos and that's Tvila. And when you daven six days a week, so from all the davenings are created Shabbos. Shabbos is essentially the summation and the cumulative energy of all your tefillahs a whole week. What's Be'er Sheva? Be'er Sheva is the wellspring of the seven. It's the light known as Er Shivas Hayamim, the light of seven days, which gets revealed on Shabbos Kodesh. That is the mouth of the Be'er, Piha Be'er. And from that Piha Be'er comes the Chius of the Jew, and here you have two stages. One stage is Vigalalu, and a deeper stage is Ezel Gibra, Vayagal, to be able to reveal the Pnimius of the Evan itself. Should we do the last Fasemes? Should we do the third one, or the Dailam Vilshengen? The Mendel, should we do the third Fasemes? Okay. We'll, we will follow the Canadians. So take a look at the third Fasemes. Very geschmack. Bidashi, you see? Bidashi? Okay. Rashi, in the beginning of Vayetze, asks an interesting question. It says, Vayetze, Yaakov, Be'eshava, Vayelech, Arona. But already said at the end of Parshas, told us that Yaakov left Padan Aram. He left Be'eshava and he went to Charon. Why did it say again, Vayetze, Yaakov, and Be'eshava? 
And even if the Torah interrupt, actually says the Torah interrupted the story with Esau, so he wants to go back to the beginning of the story, he could just say, Vayelecharana. Because we already know that he left Meber Shava. So Rashi says, Ma Talmud Rashi asks a question. Why does it say Vayetze Yaakov Meber Shava? It already said at the end of Toldus that ya- ya- Yaakov left. You're just repeating yourself for absolutely no reason. If you open up a Chumash at the end of Toldus, it says, Vayishlach Yitzchak as Yaakov Vayelech Paden Aram. He went already. So Rashi asks a question. He should have just said, Vayelech Yaakov Charana. Why do you have to tell me that he left? Now, in addition to the fact that it already says earlier that he left, it's also not so relevant because obviously, it's, first of all, it says already that he left. And second of all, if he's going to Charon, obviously he left Be'er You know, If I tell you, if you tell me, you know, I took a trip, I took a trip this morning to Toronto to go home to my family. I took a trip to Montreal, whatever it is, I took a trip to Miami. You don't have to say, I left New York and I went to Miami. You say, I went to Miami today. Obviously, if you went to Miami, you left New York. So that's also bothering Rashi. Besides the fact that it already says that he left. Without that, it should say, and Yaakov went to Choron. Obviously, if he went to Choron, he had to leave Beersheba. <laughs> you can't go to one, a new location. He didn't leave the old location. What, what, what does the title want to say? It's Mamish Redundant. He left Beersheba and he went to Choron. Okay, just say he went to Choron. Of course, he left Beersheba. You can't go to Choron if you don't leave Beersheba. Can't go to Miami if you don't leave New York. What does Rashi answer? Taita wants to say when a tzaddik leaves a space, a place, it makes an impact. <laughs> Some people, they leave a place and you say, Baruch Shepetrani. Some people leave a place and you don't know if they were there, you don't know if they're gone. When a tzaddik leaves a place, it's not the same place anymore. It, it, it creates an impact, it creates an imprint, a residue, it's felt. The absence, the void is felt. And Rashi says, when a tzaddik is in a city, he is its glory, he is its radiance, he is its beauty. When he leaves, the glory is gone, the radiance is gone, the beauty is gone, and he brings a raya from Rus. It says, They left the place. They went to base Lechem. It's not just they left geographically. We know that they left. If you go to a new place, you left the old place. It means... They left. <laughs> when they left, they left. Not, Yaakov didn't only go to Charon. Yaakov left Be'eshava. His departure of Be'eshava had a tremendous impact. It was felt in a very powerful and acute way. That's what Rashi says. You know the Rashi. I don't understand. I don't understand. What was bothering Rashi? You don't have to tell me why? Because I know if he went to Charan, he left Beershava. So there's no point. Of course he left, but there's no point. There's nothing positive that I'm learning from the fact that he left. Right? The only... The only Nakuda that I want to know is that he went to Charan. That's the positive thing here, that he went to a new place and he built his family, etc. And he ran away from Esau, he got rid of the problem of Esau, and he went to, his, he went to build a family. In other words, the Toyelis here, the news in the story is, the, the powerful and positive commandment is that he went to Charan. That he left Be'eshav is fine. Yeah, yeah, I always left Be'eshav. He left Be'eshav. So Rashi's answer only creates a bigger question. So you're telling me, Be'er Shavah tells me that what? That it was a horrible thing for Be'er Shavah that he left. 
So there's no positive in that. There's no benefit in that. It's just negative. So why do you have to say it? It's almost like you're making the question stronger. The question was that there's no toyelis, there's no benefit, there's no shvach, there's no praise, there's nothing positive. In the Vayetz Yaakov Be'er Shavam, he left Be'er Shavam, okay. That, that's not positive. He had to go to Chorin, that's the story. That's the story. Yeah. In other words, the question was not only that it's superfluous. There's, there's no toich and chiyuvi, there's no positive element there. Yeah, he had to leave Be'er Shavam. Why, why emphasizing it? It's not like I wouldn't know it. And, and that's not the story. That's, that, there's no positive element in that. The answer only makes it more problematic. <laughs> not only was there nothing positive, Rashi's telling us, by the way, it was very bad. <laughs> he left Be'er Shava, Panahoida, Panaziva, Panadara. There's no grace, there's no light, there's no beauty. There's just a void. Okay? So, so why are you saying it? We know it happened. So you say, maybe the Torah wants to tell us that, that he, that there was a void. When it says, he went to Charon, it means he left Be'er Shava. And if he left, and if he left Be'er Shava, Obviously, there was a void. So most people would answer that that goof is what the Torah is saying. It was noticed. It was felt that he left. But the Svasemis is still bothered by that. Because what's the Tayelis in saying that? What's the Shavach in saying that? What do, you, what do you want to bring out? If you want to bring out how precious a tzaddik is, say it, bring it out somewhere in a positive way. That when a tzaddik is in a city, it lights up the city. And here it's brought out in a negative way. Maybe the whole shot is the exact opposite. Wow. The pshat is the exact opposite. <laughs> if you look at the words of Rashi, he says, What does that mean? Literally, it means, Tzadik leaves this place, it, it, it leaves an impact. People feel, you know, they feel empty. Actually, Rosham means an imprint, a Rishima. There's a residue. Rosham, yeah. So the Tzadik says, the pshat is fakert. As long as a Tzadik is in the city, means he is the beauty of the city. The beauty of the city has nothing to do with the city. It has to do with him. He is so special and he is so holy and he is so powerful. You can't say the city is a special place. No, he's a special place and he impacts it. You know what happens when he leaves? Something extraordinary happens. If he was a real tzaddik, he changed the people of the city. He changed the city. Now when he leaves, you could see if there was real influence there because they're transformed. As long as he's there, you can't say the city is a great place. He's a great person. And if you're around a great person, you also become great. You're enthralled by his greatness. He mesmerizes the city. He affects it. He transforms it. What's that he transforms? It doesn't transform it. He creates a radiance, and therefore everyone is impacted by it. But now he leaves. So what's left? L'chayda, nothing. Ah, this is if you. This is where you see if he was a man of power or a man of influence. If he was a man who was busy with power when he leaves, there's nothing left. But if he was a person of influence, he changes the zeitgeist. He changes the people. They are forever changed. Even when he's gone, he is still there because he made a change in them. 
That's what happens when he leaves. As long as he's there, you don't know who they are. You know who he is. His kedusha, his sitkus affects people. But he says, the shvach has nothing to do with the makkah because the tzaddik is there. But when he leaves the place, nishir is shimah Now you see that he left an imprint on the place. And that becomes the shvach of the makkah that the tzaddik lived there. Why? Because they now continue his life even when he's not there because they were really affected. That's the pshat. So Ayetze Yaakov Be'er Shava is telling you a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yaakov left Be'er Shava and that's when Be'er Shava can really appreciate the impact of Yaakov Avinu. Because even as he leaves, his Roshim remains there. So Rashi is actually saying the exact opposite of what we think. What Rashi is really saying is, When a tzaddik leaves, he makes a Roshim in the city. When the tzaddik is in the city, The city is not beautiful. The city is not bright. The city is not radiant. The city is not... He's inspired. And they're there. So of course, they're, they're, they're part of it. But then the sun sets, they're left with darkness. Who are they? You can't attribute it to the people, you can't attribute it to the community, you can't attribute it to the city. They were not transformed. He is a Gavaldika person, so his magic and his charisma enthralls everybody. But what happens when he leaves? If he was a real tzaddik, they're never the same. Even when he's gone, they change. You remember the story of Mitzrab Mir villain, Azmazol? Alain Brennan. You have to be on fire yourself. When he leaves, his, his light is gone. So what's left? Nothing. Ah, now you see who he was. There's two types of people. There's a person who creates followers. And there's a person who creates leaders. There's a leader who creates, there's a Rebbe who creates disciples. And there's a Rebbe who creates people who will themselves take the initiative and become leaders. That's a whole different avoida. That's what a tzaddik does. He creates a roshim in the city. So even when he's gone, the fire should burn on its own. That's what chinuch is. I don't just educate you so when I'm here, you're behaving. Then it's me, it's not you. Chinuch means I educate you, not me. Where do you see chinuch? When I leave. The presence of the tzaddik is not there in the city. What's left? The hoida is not there. The ziva is not there. The hadada is not there. But you see if there's a Roshim. If there's a Roshim, it means they were really affected. There was Pneumiyazdik. And that's what happens when Yaakov leaves Bereshav. And he says, We see this by the creation. Before Hashem created the world, the world doesn't have a Metzius. There's only Hashem. Eneid Movada. After the Bria, what's the kiyum of the whole world? That Hashem left a Rishima, which is Mekayim everything. Now this is a very, very deep concept in Kabbalah and in Chsidis. And in Chabad Chsidis, this is explained by Riches. It's known as the Rishimu, Kayacha Rishimu. I'm just going to say very, very briefly, because it really is a very, very deep... Here's a classic line of Svasemes that is very difficult to understand without a lot of background. But the Nekuda is that before the Bria, there's only Hashem, there's nothing else. So how can there be, there's no other Metzius, Einoid Mulvada. So how can there be a Bria? So that Rizal says there was a Tzimtzum. The infinity had to be withdrawn or concealed or retracted, creating an empty space for Metzius. But the only Metzius is Hashem. So how can there be another Metzius? So he says, after the Bria, what is the Kiyom Kalaylam? The Kiyom Kalaylam is the Kaya Harishima, the Roshim that's left from the Oirein Saif. 
pre-tzimtzum, that Rishimu, that's the kiyum, that's the endurance, that's the core of the world. Koyach Rishimu. He says, that's the pshat. The tzaddik leaves the city, is like the tzimtzum. When the tzaddik was in the city, there was the tzaddik's light filled everything, like Hashem's light fills everything, there's nothing else. When there's a tzimtzum, the tzaddik left the city, so nothing left, but there's a Rishim. His presence remains inside every one of the people who are makabal from him, and that stays, that stays forever. Because that's what a real influencer does. I don't just teach you, I don't just inspire you, I don't just sing with you, I don't just make you feel elevated when you're in my presence. I give you something that will remain forever yours. So therefore, Hashem creates a tzimtzum. So there could be a world, but how could there be a world? The whole Metzius is only Ein Soiv, that's the only reality. So if there's only Hashem before the creation of the world, there's no Metzius. What's the creation of the world? Hashem creates otherness. In other words, he, so to speak, leaves the city. That's the tzimtzum. But he leaves his rishimu and the kayach rishimu. That's what gives, it vivifies. It's the, it's the core, it's the core of the universe. And that's the chiddush of Briya Sa'ilam. That there's otherness. There's a person, kivayachal outside of Hashem and still einoid mulvade. And this is true in all actions of a person. Every limb you ever do a mitzvah with. You give tzedakah with your hand. You put on tefillin on your arm. You light a Shabbos candle with your finger. You learn Torah with your mouth. You say something nice to a person with your mouth. You do something a mitzvah with your nose, with your head, with your eyes, with your... Every aver, every limb. Your hands and your legs, your torso. You eat. You make kiddush, whatever it is. Every aver you ever do a mitzvah with, or any avayda in kedusha, nisha It's not, it happened. You, the limb is forever changed. It's forever affected. It says in Tanya, Perich of Gimel, that the Yad, HaMechalek Esdaka, becomes a Merkava Felakus. There's a divine energy that flows through it. That doesn't leave. Even after the mitzvah, even after the tzaddik leaves, it remains, Vuhu Tikkun Adam. And this is the Tikkun, the rectification of the human being. I'll finish with a story. I heard the story from Rabbi Yehuda Avner, all of He said it publicly. Rabbi Yehuda Avner was an ambassador of Israel to England and to some other countries. He was also a consultant to four Israeli prime ministers, Levi Eshkol and Yitzchak Rabin and Menachem Begin and I think and Shimon Peres, I think. So he says, I heard from him, that he once visited the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He had a close relationship with him. Begin sent him a few times to discuss the Camp David Accords, and that's where the Rebbe and Begin had a serious disagreement. No, it's not for now, but in any case, he said that once he finished a conversation with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he asked him at the end, he said, what do you do? What, what's your... Uh, What's your mission in life? So the Rebbe says to him, he, he opened the drawer, he pointed to a, a candle. I don't know if it was a yardside candle, some candle. And he said, I think they were speaking in Hebrew, he said, he said, what is this? Maza, Maza. So uh, Avner, Avner said, Zener, Zener. So the Rebbe said, Achshav Zelonner, Zekeli, Zepsila, Vzeshaava. There's a, a keli, a vessel, there is wax, and there's a wick. Yeah. When you kindle it, it becomes a neir. So he said, neir Hashem nishmas adam. The neshama of every person is a neir Hashem.
but it has to be lit up. You have the wick, you have the wax, you have the keli. Every person has divine light, and they can light up the world, but it has to be lit. So he said, my tafkid, what I try to do in life is to help myself and to help every person I come in contact with or I can have influence to light up their wick so that their ur can light up themselves, their home, their environment, and the whole world. Mimena the Gemara and Rashi say about the Avner heard this. Okay, so at the end of the Yechidus, it was like two hours. He was leaving. He's an audacious person. He had like chutzpah in him. He says I'm quoting him. No, were you successful with me? Did you light my candle? He'd locked him at Anershali. So he says, the Rebbe looked at him and said, Lo. He was taken aback. He said, No. <laughs> That's blunt. The Rebbe added five words. I have given you the match. I have not lit your candle, but I gave you the match. That's what the Sfasemis is saying. You have to light your own candle. I have to light my candle. But I can give you the match. The tzaddik comes to a city. So the Welt learns, wow, he's the radiance of the city. So someone says, that's the problem. He is the radiance of the city. He's burning, but the city is not on fire. So I could light a candle. But then when the candle gets extinguished, there's nothing to do. The tzaddik leaves. I can give you a match. Now you have the match, and you can light the candle. And that makes all the difference. Now do you see how this is connected with the other two svasemeses? Chavre, do you see the connection? It's all the same point again, right? Yaakov is not rejecting Esau. He has to embrace Esau. Yaakov doesn't throw away the rock. Yaakov reveals the rock. Yaakov doesn't just stay in a city and is holy there and people get impacted from his holiness. He has to transform the city itself. Well, listen, guilt guilt could be good if it doesn't come from the Yitzhahara. There's a guilt, you know, that I'm bad and I'm horrible and I can't do anything. That's not good. But if I'm feeling bad about something I did and I fix it and I'm motivated to do it differently next time, then it's a good thing. Next question. The accidental murder runs to an Ari Miklat. But Yaakov did it intentionally. The concept of Ari Miklat doesn't apply. The blood avenger can pursue an intentional murderer and drag him out of the Ari Miklat. Also, couldn't Esav indict his own mother as an accomplice and and somebody who was part of this conspiracy? If by rejecting Esav it can be considered a subtle formula of murder, is the Svasem is saying that kicking out an OTD child out of the house is also a subtle form of murder. Was Lippa's teacher guilty of this? If Esav is Sheker, wasn't Yaakov and Rifa also guilty of this? The point is, of course Yaakov took the brachas intentionally, but the murder of Esav was unintentional. That's the key distinction. In terms of his own mother, I guess the main avoid of this was on Yaakov's shoulders. In terms of throwing a child out of the house, usually it should not be done. 
Maybe there are exceptions, but this has to be done with tremendous, tremendous thoughtfulness and love and really thinking what's the benefit of the child and the rest of the family. This should never be done, you know, regularly. You just throw them out of the house because you don't sever the cords with a child. And even if a child has to leave the house, you have to do it with wisdom and with love and with empathy. Help them, help them realize that they have a better place for themselves. And even then, it has to be with, done a lot, a lot of caution, even if it's the right thing. And certainly from a place of strength and love, not weakness and anger. Why couldn't Yaakov be Makarov Lovan? He probably tried to be Makarov Lovan, but uh, Lovan has to be ready. Lovan has to be ready, right? There's the clip of Esav and the clip of Lovan. It's two different clippers. There's a mimer of the Alter Rebbe, Balatanya, the difference of Esav and Lovan, but it's not for now. Is fear a secondary emotion as well? Usually. Again, there are fears that are not, but very often it is. Yaakov Avinu reveals the well. If you just roll away the stone, it's temporary. It's going to come right back. It's like winning the battle, but the enemy is going to come back. Yaakov conquered. He didn't just roll away the stone, which is permanent. He won the war. He didn't only win the battle. As they say, you could win the battle but lose the war. He won the war. Rashi says that a tzaddik's departure leaves a void. How does that explain the repetition? A void is created without any repetition. Okay, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the good question. That's what we try to discuss. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.